I've been on staff uh, for seven years. Um, I have a wife, Molly, and I have two kids, uh, Piper and Owen. Piper is three years old, um, will be four in April, and I, our son, Owen, um, he is coming up on two years in March, and they could not be more different. Um, Piper is like really kind and considerate and, and just really like loving, and Owen is the opposite of that. <laughs> and so uh, he, he's busy, he like loves to throw things at you, hit you in the face, like just really, um, just really different, but I, I love him. Um, I won't be staying too long for the lunch because my son is actually with a babysitter for this. My wife got stuck in billing, so um, I will be at lunch, but not for very long. So if you want to grab time, feel free to come up to me. Um, yeah, like I said, I've been on staff for seven years, and, and um, this has by far been the hardest year of, of being on staff, and, and I'll kind of explain why. Um, a little over a year ago, um, I'm going to do this chronologically, but a little over a year ago, um, one of my good friends, one of my disciples um, from, from his years at MSU, uh, he lost his grandmother. Um, she was a believer, so um, she's in heaven seeing Jesus face to face right now. Um, but a few months after that, one of my dear friends, um, she lost her mom. She's on our staff team as well. She lost her mom uh, to cancer. And then within the next three weeks, um, I actually vividly remember this. I was at a crew Bible study and I get a call from my mom. It's not unusual for my mom to call me in the middle of, of something we have going on with crew. Um, uh, so I just ignored it. And then I, I, she called me again. And I was like, okay, I need to probably pull, uh, pull away for a sec. Uh, so I go outside and I uh, answer the phone. And uh, she tells me that um, something's happened to my dad. And that my brother found him. And uh, she, that's all the details she could give. Um, she was on the, my parents were divorced, so she was on the way to my dad's house. And um, it turns out that he had passed away um, from a heart attack, we think. We're not exactly sure. And so I have two friends who have recently experienced loss in their life, and now I'm in the middle of experiencing pretty significant loss. And I don't know the condition of my dad's heart at this point. I don't know if he's a follower of Christ. I don't know where his eternal destiny lies. And so... Um, and then, um, and so I've, I've been, ex I'm experiencing loss, um, not sure which way's up personally. And uh, then we have um, another friend on our staff team who, whose cousin uh, died in a very um, tragic gun accident. They were cleaning guns, and uh, I think after hunting, the rifle went off, um, shot her shot her cousin and then uh, her cousin was best friends with the guy that was cleaning the gun and he committed suicide and so we've our team has just experienced tremendous loss tremendous darkness um, hardship pain um, there's been a lot of tears shed in the last year and um, it all and in, in all honesty it's still going we actually um, lost a student on our way back from our Christmas conference down in Denver in a re re just really freak accident um, off the off the interstate and um, I won't go into details of that if you if you really want to know I'll, I'll be sure to kind of share but um, my wife and I and the people in our car were the first staff on the scene and so um, 
yeah, we're, st we're dealing with that. That happened on, on January 2nd. So it's very, very recent. And it just kind of keeps coming in droves and waves. And, and um, I'm kind of realizing that's kind of our new normal. A few years ago, um, my wife was invited to 15 weddings in one summer. Um, I think seven of which she was in. <laughs> and so I think it's been an interesting switch here in the last few years where it's, I, I feel like I'm going to more funerals than I'm going to weddings. And um, it's just hard. It's just hard. But I think as I've been processing, and I feel like it's still going to be an ongoing process for me, um, but as I've been processing, I, I just know that the Lord knows what I'm going through. He, experience, he has experienced loss. He has experienced death. And he is bigger than any of the suffering and so it's led me to further uh, trusting him, um, further um, experiences of redemption and, and reconciliation and even um, some restoration. I don't think I'll be fully restored. I haven't arrived yet. I don't think anyone in this room could say I've arrived yet, right? Um, but I, the reason I know this is because I can look back to my story. Each one of us in this room has a very unique story that is meant to fit into God's redemptive story. And mine is, is no different. Um, I always, it's kind of funny. I teach students how to, how to share their testimony so that they can share the gospel through their story. And um, so I'll share my story and they'll be like, oh man, you have such a great story. And I'm like, no, like you have a great story because God took you from the domain of darkness to where you could not trust Christ and transferred you to the kingdom of the beloved son. That in and of itself is a miracle. It is a miracle that that happens. And so as I share my story, I don't want you guys to think like, oh, he has such a great testimony. I've heard, it, I've heard that over and over again, and I hate it. Like, I don't know if I can say the word hate up here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. But um, I hate it because it's like you're just belittling what God's story is for each one of you guys, you know. Um, but for me, my story of redemption was one where... Um, I grew up in, in a church that taught how to be a good person and how to follow the Ten Commandments, and that was maybe good enough to get you into heaven. And so I knew of God, knew of Jesus, and I knew of the cross, but I had no idea what those pers uh, personal implications were for me. And um, fast forward, well, actually back up. Uh, by high school, I had seen a lot of legalism and a lot of hypocrisy in that church and didn't want to have anything to do with that church and by extension didn't want to have anything to do with God because if that's what God required of me, like I fall short of that literally every day. And um, fast forward to my freshman year of college, when you think of the stereotypical 19-year-old dude, we think we have it all, toge all together. We're out from under our parents' roofs. Um, we got life figured out. We know where we're going. We know we can do whatever we want. We can stay out as late as we want. And I was no different. Um, but the difference for me was in November of my freshman year of college, I actually got diagnosed with, or no, sorry, I noticed a lump in November, um, about a pea size right next to my ear, um, and went to the doctor uh, over and over and over again. Could, they couldn't figure out what it was. And by January 8th of, the, of 2007, um, they decided to take out the mask. But by that point, it had grown a, a bit bigger than a golf ball. And so it's sticking out pretty pretty profusely at that point. And um, so, yeah, they, they decided to, to uh, cut it out. You can still see the scar from when they did. Um, but uh, I ended up taking my s 
second semester of my freshman year off because I had to go through chemotherapy. Um, the cancer wasn't spreading, praise God, but it uh, was still cancerous. And so um, there was a good chance that it, it could have been, if, if at all. And so I um, went through chemo, and chemo not only took a toll on me physically, I lost all my hair. By the way, I can pull off the bald look. Um, uh, I lost all my hair, uh, my energy tanked, and um, just became a very selfish and self-centered person. Um, and how this would kind of play itself out was I would put others around me down to kind of make myself feel better. Um, I was looking for anything to feel better during that time. And over, uh, during that time, I was also dating a girl um, from my years in high school. Um, and in that following fall, her and I are both at Washington State University living in the same dorm. And um, again, I'm looking for something to make myself feel better. And she makes me feel, feel better. And so over the course of that semester, our uh, relationship just got progressively more unhealthy, uh, both emotionally and physically. My life just really revolved around her. Um, and that following spring, her and I had kind of had enough of each other. I wanted to experience the, the college life, and she, I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know her reason, actually. Um, but we decided to mutually end things. But because my life was so entrenched in her life, um, because I was actually pretty enslaved to the idea of her, um, I actually battled depression for about a year after the breakup. Um, but it was so great of God. Um, in the midst of that breakup, he used six fraternity brothers of mine who knew Jesus, loved Jesus, and loved me enough to share Jesus with me. Um, for about a month, they invited me to things like Cruz Weekly Meeting, um, to the Greek Bible study that they were a part of, to, um, to church, and even, even to, to their apartment kind of on Friday and Saturday nights to kind of remove me from the party scene very subtly. Um, they just genuinely loved on me and cared for me. Um, and it all kind of culminated into one night uh, where my buddy Brad said, John, you need to lay down your life for Christ. And I thought to myself, for the first time in my life, that makes sense. It makes sense that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins personally. That God demonstrated his love for me that while I was yet a sinner, he still died for me. He knew my deepest, darkest sins. He knew my struggles. He knew the suffering that I'm even going through now. And he was still willing, willing to die for me. And so why wouldn't, I, why wouldn't I surrender my life to him? And so I vividly remember walking out of his room in the fraternity, walking down the hall to my room, locking the door behind me because I didn't want anyone walking in, getting on the floor and praying to receive Christ as my Savior and Lord. I, re I remember saying, Lord, I have literally nothing to offer in this relationship, but whatever I do have, it's, it's yours. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And um, from there on out, um, I uh, yeah, got involved with crew, um, so much so that I went on an overseas mission trip to the Middle East. I experienced a greater joy and satisfaction that I had not experienced uh, before. I used that girlfriend of mine in the past as a functional savior, but I had a savior that could actually save me. And so th there was just so many different things that were, were taking place. The reason I'm sharing my testimony in light of all the suffering is because I know that God is greater than the suffering that I am going through. He, he knows the suffering I'm going through. He is a sympathetic and empathetic high priest. He knows exactly what, <laughs> how my heart is and emotions are taking over what I know to be true and in he knows, um, 
he just knows what's going on in my life. And he's here. Um, I've, I've teetered back and forth on whether or not to recommend this song, mainly because it, uh, there is some, some um, explicit verbiage in, in there, but there's a, a song called A Prayer by King's Kaleidoscope. Um, King's Kaleidoscope is a, uh, I don't know if they were, I would call them a worship band anymore, but they used to be a worship band. Um, they have a non-explicit version of this song, which I probably will recommend. But what I love about it is that um, the lead singer of the band, uh, um, he struggles with a, an extreme anxiety disorder. And that's what this song is actually about. And so he's, some of the lyrics are like, where are you, God? Where are you, Jesus? Over and over and over again, he'll, he'll say that. Um, and then about midway through the song, he uh, assumes the voice of Jesus and says, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And I, that's just the case. That's the case in the midst of the suffering. And so the reason I, I felt prompted to kind of um, share this with you is that each one of our stories, we're going we're gonna to experience some suffering. We're going to experience loss and hardship and hurt and pain. It's just a matter of fact, unfortunately. But that's not what God intended. That's not what God wants. He wants us to experience life in him. And I know that some of us in this room are going to be, um, sorry, these are like ramblings. So I, I apologize. Um, uh, but I know some of us are going into full-time vocational ministry. You're personally going to experience suffering. And then you're also going to be helping others that are suffering. And I don't know how we would do that if we did not have a Savior who knew our suffering and empowered us to help others in their suffering. I, there have been days in the last year I have not wanted to go to work. I have not wanted to minister to college students. Not because they um, seem to be the most privileged people in the world. Sorry, guys. I know you're college students. Uh, but... Um, that's not the reason, even though that is, that is a hard factor to, to have to work, with, work through and whatnot, but it's because I just, I'm hurting, I'm broken. And the good news of the gospel is that I'm gonna be restored one day. The good news of the gospel is that I'm gonna see Jesus face to face and sin and death are gonna be behind me. That he's gonna wipe away every tear from my eye and death will be no more. And so um, I don't really have a like application with this. I don't, um, but I just want you to hear hear me say like, it's okay to hurt. It's okay to be in pain, even as a minister of the gospel. I know everyone in this room is going to be a minister of the gospel in one sh way, shape, or form, whether it's vocational or not. But it's okay to be hurting, and the good news of the gospel is that God knows. You're hurt, and he knows that you can help others that are hurting. That's why the uh, Romans says, mourn, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And so, um, unfortunately, I've just been mourning a little too frequently in the last year. So if there's ever, I mean, if there's an application to this, this talk, it's that. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So... Um, that's all I have. So uh, I'll pray and then uh, band or. Uh, no, 
Nope. Okay. Great. Great. Father, um, thank you that you have given us um, this ministry of reconciliation, that we get to play a part in people being restored into right relationship with you. Thank you that you sent King Jesus down um, to suffer a death that we deserve to die in order that, in order that we might live a life that um, <laughs> we couldn't live in and of our own doing, in and of our own strength. Father, um, I just ask that um, you would feel present in times of suffering that we will experience from here on out. Um, Father, I pray that you would send your spirit to fill us and empower us um, even right now that we might experience further joy in you. Um, and yeah, Father, I, I just, I'm thankful. I'm honored and thankful for these men and women that they're um, being obedient to your call of going to Bible college and um, wanting to grow first and foremost in the relationship with you, but secondly, um, with each other, and thirdly, with your mission. Father, um, I pray all of this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.